I believe students who have what I call a really strong CS fingerprint have the best outcomes. What I mean by that is all parts of their application are supported by CS-related activities or creative problem-solving activities. And it's not enough just to have strong grades, strong grades in math and science. I mean, that's absolutely true, absolutely needed. It's not enough to just have CS-related activities that demonstrate genuine interest in the field, extending yourself in ways that maybe others haven't, so you can look a little different. I find that I've had a lot of success with students who have essay topics that show creative problem-solving in unique ways. Of all the college majors, computer science is the hottest major right now. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Because of this, it also makes computer science a highly competitive major. Often, universities that admit as many as 50% of their applicants will only admit single digits to the computer science major. Yep, you heard me correctly. My guest, Dr. Jennifer Steven, is an expert on computer science admissions. She leans into her vast experience as a Dean of Academic Advising in the School of Engineering, Professor of Computer Science, Independent Educational Consultant, and a mom of now young adults to give insights into competitive admissions to help your family chart a path to admission. She also explains why, if your teen is creative and hasn't considered computer science or related majors, they might just want to do so. I'm Lisa Marker Robbins, and I want to welcome you to College and Career Clarity, a Flourish Coaching production. Let's dive right in to a great conversation. Well, I am super excited to welcome Dr. Jennifer Steven of Tufts University and an independent educational consultant. She is here to talk about what could be the hottest major in the U.S. right now, or maybe, Jennifer, you can tell me, maybe outside the U.S. as well, and that is computer science. Not only is it a hot major, it's a super competitive major. Jennifer is the Dean of Academic Advising and Undergraduate Studies for the School of Engineering at Tufts University. Through her work there, her previous work, the hat that she's worn as a mom and as an independent educational consultant, she's got fantastic insights for us on computer science and the admission path there. Jennifer, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I'm really delighted to be here today. I started out saying it's the hottest major. Is that correct? And would that just be for the U.S. or everywhere? Oh, it's the hottest. It's the hottest everywhere. Really, since 2008, enrollments and interest has skyrocketed to the tune of, in some places, an increase of 800% of applications since 2008. So it is just astounding. Part of that is because, as we know, 2008 was the economic downturn and families are concerned about return on investment in the money that they spend on college but also their children are in what's a very insecure, confusing world right now. And so having something to anchor onto in terms of being able to be employed and, you know, have, have some certainty in their future. I work with a lot of students with my college major and career coaching course where the students like, well, maybe, or I'm not sure, or what is computer science? Parents, like you said, have that lens on it. Like, we really want to not only increase the ROI on this investment we're making in our student and their future, but we want to have a excellent outcome. 
So how would you say a family should look at computer science? Like, how would you describe the field itself? Because there are other fields that we're going to talk about as well. But how would you describe computer science? At its core, computer science is about creative problem solving. A lot of people don't realize how much creativity there is in the field of computer science. On Tufts campus, there's a School of Museum of Fine Arts and a School of Engineering and then a School of Arts and Sciences. And the School of Museum of Fine Arts is actually part of the School of Arts and Sciences. But from a degree program standpoint, I consider them separately. And I'm always saying to my counterpart at the School of Museum of Fine Arts, we are the makers on campus. I'm an engineer myself. I have my bachelor's, master's and PhD in electrical and computer engineering. I did teach computer science for 14 years. I was a professor of CS at Wellesley College for 14 years. And I remember when I first arrived at Wellesley College at very early on, standing online to get my photo ID as a brand new faculty member straight out of graduate school. And I was behind a, an esteemed French professor who must have, for some reason, been, she'd been there a long time, renewing her ID. And she kind of said to me in a very, oh, academic, ivory towerish way, computer science, tell me about computer science. And when I said it was creative, she seemed very surprised and she thought it was much more about like fixing computers. And I said, no, this is a creative discipline, creative problem solving. So I have three daughters. One of my daughters is an artist. My oldest daughter is an engineer. My youngest, I don't know, we'll see. But my my middle daughter being an artist, people often say, how did that happen? I'm like, it actually makes a lot of sense. We are the creators. My husband's an engineer as well. So we are we are the creator, artists and engineers. So CS is a very creative, problem-solving oriented discipline. You know, a lot of people, everybody always says, you know, STEM fields are hot, but a lot of people use the acronym STEAM instead because they include that art. And I've never really thought about it in the way that you're putting it, but I think I'm going to start saying STEAM instead of STEM myself after listening to you share that. Especially certain fields of art. Again, my daughter, she really loves photography. She really loves image. And one day, you know, we were at a scientific exhibit somewhere and they had all sorts of satellite images and she was riveted by them. So if you think about it, photography is, is an instrument, yeah. you know, the basis, an instrumental basis. So of all the artistic fields, manipulating image, light, how light works, it is a, you know, maybe more so than sculpture or something. Engineering related. Uh, I say that as not an artist. So maybe an artist yes. will be. It's not just a great, but, <laughs> they, but they take exception with you on that, right? <laughs> right. But uh, especially the image, you know, because image yeah. signal processing is what I did my PhD research in. And that could be whether it's, it could be an image, it could be a voice signal. Like, so mm -hmm. data can represent an image is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, no, that makes sense. You know, so where my head goes to, and we were talking about, you know, getting your ROI, your return on investment on this college, if it's so popular now, what has that done to the admission rate, like the competitiveness of computer science programs? Oh, it has really driven the admit rates down and made it extremely competitive to gain admission to many of the top schools. I tell my students who are applying as CS majors and have friends who are applying as other majors, don't think you're competing against them. And they may get into a school that you don't get into. The disciplines are different and it's just a different beast. And I actually have some data, I don't remember off the top of my head, about the difference in admit rates. At Carnegie Mellon University, 2015, the admit rate was 5%, while it was 19% for seven other programs. More recent data since then is consistent with that. And at the University of Washington in the fall of 2021, another top CS program, the direct to major CS computer engineering admit rate for out-of-state residents was 3%, while the direct 
to college engineering, the mid rate was 33% and the wow. overall mid rate was 51%. 3%, 51%. Yeah. Like just about that. So it is exceedingly competitive to gain admission to CS programs. And I always tell my students, I always tell my families, I manage expectations that they have got to adjust their expectations with respect to what a REACH really means, what a REACH school, you know, may be for them. If they were studying something else, it might not be a REACH school, but because right. they're studying, yes, it, it, it very well may be. Yeah. It recently interviewed Andy Borst, who's director of undergraduate admissions at University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And they only admit 6% of computer science applicants. Well, they've got other programs that, you know, are above 50% admit rate. So absolutely, it changes. You're right. What's the difference between that reach and that target and that safety school? For sure. I had a 21-year career at Wellesley College before I moved to Tufts University six and a half years ago. During the latter part of my tenure at Wellesley for eight years, I served on the board of admission evaluated, voted on a committee, read about 100 applications a year, and I specifically read transfer applications. It was actually the case during that time that the CS department, which had been my home department when I you know, had been there for 14 years, my former department came to the dean of admissions and said, please don't admit any CS students. Like, just don't, because we already have students who are frustrated at a small liberal arts college like Wellesley College. You know, I moved into administration in 2008. I was in that, that role for eight years. So sometime in between 2008 and 2016, this occurred. There were 100 person wait lists on certain classes. And this is a, about a 2300, 2500 undergraduate student campus to have wait lists of about 100 students. I would have students who were frustrated that they couldn't get their first CS class until their sophomore year, sometimes their second semester, sophomore year. And again, they said to the dean of admissions, please don't admit any CS students. We already have enough on our campus. So that's an example of competitiveness. Yeah. So because if they do admit them, then they can't serve the ones that they've already admitted well. I think that's a great point, too, because sometimes somebody will be like, oh, I'll, I'll apply to a different major and hope to switch into that major. But even if the policy of the university is, yes, you can, they are still may not be space. Like they might say, yes, we allow change of major. But what you're reiterating, and I know to be true of many schools, is that doesn't mean that there will be space mm -hmm. just because there's a policy that says, yes, there might be years where there's no space or very little space. So that's not a good strategy to apply to a different major and hope to change into computer science if that's what they want because of the competitiveness. Well, yeah, a few points. I mean, what you said is absolutely true. I also think that every student's best chances of admission are through an authentic application and admissions officers are, are savvy. They are not going to believe that a student whose application screams, let's say, an interest in computer science wants to study Italian literature or Russian culture or something right. like that which are, as we know, under-enrolled majors, and they're just not going to believe that. And so not only will a student perhaps be unable to achieve their ultimate goal of studying CS because perhaps they cannot move or perhaps there isn't space for them to move. I mean, some places don't even let you move. You know, Carnegie Mellon is a good example. If you are not admitted into the School of Computer Science application, your chances of being later admitted are almost none. So some places won't even allow it. And some places, while they might allow it, as you say, there might not be space. You might have your application dismissed because it's not authentic. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I know at University of Illinois, Andy told me, if you don't apply to computer science as a 12th grader, there is no change of major. That's the one major. And he said there's a 
a couple other majors that are getting tight enough that they may not allow change of major. But I know it computer science is very common. So how do you advise, like, what are what are your best tips for the families that you're working with when they're applying? Like, what's going to increase the chances of getting into these really competitive majors? Well, I believe students who have what I call a really strong CS fingerprint have the best outcomes. And what I mean by that is all parts of their application are supported by CS-related activities or creative problem-solving activities. I will say that as well. And it's not enough just to have strong grades, strong grades in math and science. I mean, that's absolutely true, absolutely needed. It's not enough to just have CS-related activities that demonstrate genuine interest in the field, extending yourself in ways that maybe others haven't, so you can look a little different. I've had a lot of success with students who have essay topics that show creative problem solving in unique ways. When you said a strong CS fingerprint throughout the application, let's let's hit on what that is for our listeners. So the essay would be a place where they can put their fingerprint on it. Let's flush out what it means on the all. Yeah, and just to be clear, the essay doesn't need to be about CS. It could be about something that's not CS related on the surface, but actually shows creative problem solving. And I'll give you an example. I have a student, actually, she just wrote to me today. I had sent out a holiday greetings card to say, thank you so much. And here's what I'm up to. She's a sophomore at Northwestern right now. She applied early decision to Northwestern to study CS in the School of Engineering. And we talked about, should it be a School of Arts and Sciences School of Engineering? That's another consideration. And her essay that she wrote was about the American Ninja Warrior style obstacle course she built in her backyard. And she described in detail in her essay about her problem-solving approach, specifically around the monkey bars, which she felt every self-respecting obstacle course should have monkey bars. And she wanted them to be variable in space so that a child could go across them or an adult could go across them. And she created, if you can imagine the monkey bars, there were many slots that you could drop these monkey bars and she would drop the monkey bars in and then she would try to go across and the monkey bars would spin. And that frustrated her. That's not the way monkey bars are supposed to be. She said that her dad said, I don't know, maybe you should just nail them in and move on from this idea that you're going to have variable space monkey bars. But she was fiercely determined. She was going to figure it out. And she ended up settling upon a beautifully elegant solution. She detailed some failed attempts to solve the problem, which is important because you will always fail as an engineer, as an artist, actually, as we were talking earlier, that's part of the process for solving problems and being successful. But then she settled upon a beautifully elegant solution, which is the rungs that slot into these bars. She nailed a piece of wood to each end. So she demonstrated that in a fantastic essay. And it sounds like you said, you know, I just heard you say, like, you are going to fail if you go into computer science or same would be true in engineering. So showing that you're willing to take a risk and that you're resilient, you get back up and keep going. And I'd imagine, so you also probably that fingerprint would be on the extracurricular activities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think some people think you have to have all CS extracurricular activities or everything CS related. You know, you could. And in that case, to be accepted to the most highly selective, the tippy top, you really have to be very, very at the top of those. If you're doing CS competitions or, you know, first robotics or various math competitions, math is a, is a foundation for all engineering and CS. 
to get into the tippy top, the CMUs, the MITs for CS, you have to be at the tippy top if you're doing sort of the classic CS things. But if you're doing different things, you could look different in the pool and perhaps distinguish yourself that way. And that's what this student did that I'm describing. And she actually was a black belt in karate and she had a lot of other really cool activities and some classic CS ones, some camps and some research activities, but very, very interesting application with a lot of aspects of showing a lot of strength. And obviously then in the class academic choices they make for what they're pursuing in high school as well. Absolutely. You want to take a lot of math and science. You want to do well in your math and science. If you're sending test scores, you want to have strong math test scores. Students often extend their high school curriculum through MOOCs or Khan Academy or dual enrollment or some local college courses. It's helpful if you identify activities that genuinely interest you and that you are really excited about. If you can generate them yourselves rather than have someone tell you what to do and have your parents pay to play, that's even more powerful. You just brought up MOOC, so massive online open enrollment courses for any listener who might not know what it is. Those are free. They're available online. You know what? I'm thinking like if they pursue something CS related through a MOOC and they're doing this where they're not earning credit, they're not getting a grade for it. It also demonstrates what a lot of colleges like to see, which is that intellectual curiosity and that self-starter piece. Right. Absolutely. And that's sort of what I was just saying about, like, if you can come up with the idea on your own, you can have a parent or a counselor or some adult, or you follow what your friend is doing, you know, say, do this. If you don't just follow a path, you come up with something on your own that's different that they haven't seen before that can distinguish you in the pool as well. I have a student, he wrote a really cool essay. They live in an urban area and they park their car on the curb outside their house. And his father looked out the window at breakfast one day and said, shoot, someone's parked in my spot again. Do you think it's the same person? And my student said, I don't know. Like any good engineer, I decided to figure it out. And he secured a camera to the base of their mailbox and pointed it towards the parking spot. And every 15 minutes, he takes a photo, the camera takes a photo, wirelessly transmits it to his computer Then he has a computer program that parses the image, identifies the license plate, identifies the actual license plate number, stores it in a database, compares that license plate to all the other past images, crunches some data, and then shares it on a website with his father. So his father can actually go to the website. So he also created a website to display the data. His father goes to the website rather than looks out the window to see who's parking his car and knows if that car is parked there before. That is intellectually curious. That is um, genius. (laughs) It's born from within, right? I could not tell him, you should go out and do this project. And I couldn't tell my other student, you should go out and build an an obstacle course in your backyard and fail a whole lot and then figure out this elegant solution. These things come from the student's intellectual curiosity and I think are more powerful than uh, many other types of experiences. Of course, there are many experiences that can face a student's talents, though. I agree. I I love the creativity. And I know that colleges love it as well when they're reading and they can then, I mean, talk about authenticity. You know, many colleges allow students when they're selecting that major. So let's say that the student, I had a recent student that lives in Virginia who was applying to colleges for CS. So many colleges say, okay, what's your first major? But they also allow a second major. One of the interesting things that I did learn from Andy Borst at UIUC was for certain majors, 
like CS, they don't allow a second major, but for the under-enrolled majors or the average enrolled majors, you do get a second choice. If a student were given the opportunity to choose a second major that maybe would be like adjacent or share some of the qualities and maybe keep that career path of computer science open when they can't get directly admitted into the CS program, do you have suggestions for other majors that would be up for consideration? Absolutely. My home department, electrical and computer engineering is one. Electrical engineering and computer engineering are two separate fields, but sometimes there's a joint degree. Data science, very closely related. Also very hot, I have to admit. I have a student who uh, very much wanted to study computer science, was actually admitted at the University of Waterloo to their geomatics degree, which is the data science that underpins Google Maps and those types of tools that we have. These are some examples that are coming straight off the top of my head. I actually have a longer list, computer engineering, electrical engineering, data science, robotics, geographic information systems that's related to geomatics, as I mentioned human-computer interaction. I mentioned uh, computational biology or bioinformatics, applied and computational math, informatics, human factors engineering, digital arts, and media, which we talked about a little bit. There's a connection there. Cognitive science, very closely related. Actually, quite a few faculty members on the staff at Wellesley College have CS cognitive science backgrounds, statistics, machine learning, AI, as just some examples. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, this has been a super, super helpful episode because you're right. It's a hot major and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So families really need to, I think, from an early stage of high school, go at this with a lot of intention so that they're making the right choices and form choices when it comes time to applying. I think it's very important that this is a genuine interest on the part of the student because otherwise they're not going to be able to make that authentic application to schools and they won't see the outcomes that families might hope for. Also, they might not be happy if they're not wanting to study CS. So, and most of us will be most successful if we're actually pursuing what we really love as opposed to what we think will give us a job. That's my life's work, right? Is where is that intersection? I can pay the bills. I love it. As parents, we just want our kids to be happy. Right. Yeah. And also to contribute to society. So, you know, what what do I love? What am I good at? Yeah. What can I be compensated for? And what adds value to society? In my role as dean, I've worked with lots of students who were studying a subject, could be CS, could be engineering, could be something else for the wrong reason. I've had students say to me, oh, econ is for my grandma and English is for me, for instance, or something like that. Or I'm going to be pre-med just because, or I'm going to be an engineer just because. And I'll say, well, you're now signing up for a job that you may not like. If you if you don't like this, realize it's going to go forward. In the future, you're going to continue right. working. Well, there's an interesting stat around that, that kids that you're advising, both at Tufts and in, as an independent counselor, might benefit from. Students from kindergarten to high school graduation go to school for 16,000 hours. So you say that to a kid and they're like, oh, you, you can see it on their face. Like, man, I'm feeling every one of those hours, right? And then when I tell them that the average adult is going to work over 90,000 hours in their life, wow! that light bulb goes on that you better do some intentional work around finding the job that you'll love. 
And right now we're making a choice about that first job after graduation, and then we'll see where it takes you. But you've got to be wired for it. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I say to students, I've been known to say to students, it takes more than will. It takes skill. And it also takes passion, which is, of course, an overused word, but it really does summarize what we're talking about here. You have to care about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great parenting advice, as well as great advice for our teens that are considering CS. Jennifer, thank you for making time to come onto the podcast. If people want to keep in touch, we'll put it in the show notes. But where's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is Lantern College Counseling. That's L-A-N-T-E-R-N. My name is Jennifer Stephen, and you can email me at jennifer at lanterncollege.com. Please do not reach out to me at Tufts University. Uh, Today I am here in my capacity as an independent educational consultant at Lantern. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Take care. My hope in bringing Jennifer to you is it will help manage your family's expectations when it comes to competitive admissions, help you think more broadly about majors and careers, and set you up for success. By now, you're beginning to understand the importance of having what Jennifer explained as a fingerprint on your teen's application, regardless of their major. That means creating the narrative to demonstrate your teen as a competitive candidate who understands that the major they selected aligns with their wiring. Inside my Launch Career Clarity course, which is currently open for enrollment, I coach teens through my three-pillar framework to identify majors and careers that are a best fit for them. And for those who think they might know what they want to study, they use my step-by-step process to confirm fit. By the time a student finishes my course, they won't only be prepared to make an informed decision on their college major, but they will have created that fingerprint Jennifer talked about. Your college-bound homework this week is to check out my Launch Career Clarity course and consider joining me in this next cohort. The doors for enrollment are closing soon, and I want your teen to be supported in choosing the right college major and career path. Go to flourishcoachingco.com forward slash course to learn more. Thank you for listening to College and Career Clarity Podcast, where I help your family move from overwhelmed and confused to motivated, clear, and confident about your teen's future. And this is exactly what you'll achieve when your family joins me inside my launch course. (music) 